ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Do you love to read or listen to books? Is your nightstand overflowing with books you just don't have time to read? Listen to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm an author, publisher, podcaster, bookstore owner. My own novel, Blank, is out March 1st. And if you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zibbyverse, or rather the LA Times calls it the Zibbyverse. Check us out. Moms don't have time to read books with Zibby. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Welcome to the very first episode of Spawn Points, a new podcast about video games, life and family. I'm your host, Keza McDonald, and every episode I will be talking to interesting people from the world of video games and beyond who also happen to be parents. This is a gaming podcast for tired people, basically. That, that's the vibe. Coming up is an interview featuring two voices that you will definitely recognize if you've played basically any game in the past 10 years. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about why I'm doing this. Uh, obviously, as a mother and full-time journalist, I have so much free time that starting a podcast really seemed like the best thing to do. If you don't know me already from the internet, I've been working in the games media for about 15 years. I was at IGN for a while. I was the founding editor of Kotaku in the UK. Right now, I'm the video games editor at The Guardian newspaper. Uh, I'm also a parent. I have a toddler, I have a teen stepson, and I have another baby arriving imminently. So anyway, having spent my whole life playing games and writing about them for work, I sort of didn't expect that becoming a parent would change that much about my relationship with games. Before my first baby was due, I took a whole month off work and I spent a lot of it sat on my couch playing Final Fantasy XV. And I naively thought, this is good. Maternity leave is going to be great. Catch up on all sorts of games. But then, of course, the baby was actually born. And that rather punctured my illusions about how parenthood and video games were going to fit around each other. Becoming a mother drastically changed my relationship with video games. Suddenly, I didn't have anything like the time or energy to play them the way that I did when I was 20, or the way that my friends were still playing them now. A new game would come out, and the whole world seemed to be experiencing it together in the first couple of weeks, and meanwhile, I'd feel like it would just be passing me by entirely whilst I existed in a sleep-deprived haze. Uh, My friends would be miles and miles ahead of me by the time I found even a free evening to try out something like Destiny 2 at the time. Even the conversation around video games, the news, the updates, the Twitter controversies, all that stuff, it all felt really, really hard to keep up with. Uh, I think the nadir for me was when an old and dear friend gently declined my request to join his Destiny clan because I wouldn't be playing it seriously enough, which, although completely true, was a pretty damning summary of my new situation. So for a while I felt really sad and insecure about all this, to be honest. I felt a bit like I didn't count as a proper gamer anymore, which is obviously ridiculous, but bear in mind I was very, very tired and quite hormonal. But then also when I got back to work about a year later, um, as a games journalist I worried about my ability to engage with these massive games like Assassin's Creed and Red Dead Redemption 2 and uh, to keep up with online games as well like Overwatch because they just didn't seem like they fitted into my life anymore. I couldn't commit to playing any game that required me to be in a certain place at a certain time with young children. It just became impossible. 
I'd listen to some of the gaming podcasts that I enjoy and someone would say like, oh, I spent 10 straight hours last Sunday playing Dark Souls 3 or everyone would get into a really nitty gritty conversation about the latest update to The Division or whatever else. And I'd be sitting there thinking, this is just not my life anymore. I can't, I, I just can't play games like this. For the first year of parenthood, by the time I even got a chance to start playing something, the conversation felt like it was already over. So I started writing about these experiences and I discovered pretty quickly that I was far from alone out here. I'm not the only person who feels this way. The fact is that gaming is a very time-hungry hobby. And once you have kids who start taking up a lot of your time and energy, it's easy to feel like you're out of the loop pretty much instantly. On Kotaku, the comments were full of people with two or three kids commiserating about how hard it was or sharing tips on how to cope and make time for yourself. I felt like I discovered this whole new community suddenly. It was, it was great. Fundamentally, when I was growing up in the 90s, it really felt like video games were mostly played by kids and teens and students, but mostly kids. And now there are millions of us in our late 20s or our 30s or our 40s, and we've got busy lives, but we still love games. And I wanted to create a space to talk about them in a way that doesn't make anyone feel left out because they can't spend 30 or 50 hours a week with a controller. So that's the point of this podcast. It's me in conversation with other gamer parents, talking mostly about games, sometimes about parenting and family, sometimes just about life. We might have had kids, but we haven't had personality transplants is the thing. We still want to know about games. We want to know what's going on with them. We still want to play. And then there's the exciting prospect of actually playing with your kids once they get a bit older. I experienced some of that with my stepson when he was a bit littler. Um, he's a teen now, he never wants to play with us anymore. But I'm massively looking forward to imposing Nintendo on my younger children. So it feels like there's this whole new territory of relationship with video games that I've yet to explore. I really hope that this podcast can offer a sense of comfort and community to anybody else who's trying to fit games in around busy family life. So, now that we've established why this podcast exists, it's time to hear from my first guests, who are Troy Baker and Nolan North. After the break, I'll be chatting to them about their careers as voice actors and performance artists, the era of the dad game, Ghosts and Goblins, Parenthood, the BAFTAs, and their YouTube show, Retro Replay. Troy Baker and Nolan North are two of the most recognisable voices in video games. If you've played Uncharted, Assassin's Creed or Destiny, you'll have seen and heard Nolan as Nathan Drake, Desmond Miles and The Ghost, amongst loads of other roles in TV, animation and movies. And games, obviously. Troy Baker was Joel in The Last of Us. He was Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinite. He's been both Batman and the Joker in various titles. And my favourite of his roles is probably Kanji in Persona 4. These two legends of video game performance are great friends, and they're also just really sound guys. Nolan is a father of two kids, both in their late teens, and Troy and his wife Pamela had their very first baby just last year. So they were speaking from opposite ends of the parenthood journey, which was really interesting to hear for me. They have a show together on YouTube, Retro Replay, where they play old games together and switch wildly between different voices every two minutes. It's a great watch. We met at a hotel bar in London during Comic-Con. One thing to note, I had the worst technical issues with this interview. In the end, we all ended up talking into our phones like total professionals because nothing else would work. So please excuse the sound quality for this first episode and enjoy. It feels ridiculous to ask you to introduce yourself. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I am... Identify yourself. I am Nolan North. You are Nolan North. And you are? I am Troy Baker. I think I recognize you from a video game. It's like I've heard your voice somewhere before. Two. I've been in two of them. I've been in three. Okay, we're not playing toppers. Everyone will know you from being Nolan North and being in a bunch of amazing video games and also for being some of the people to sort of bring video game performance 
into this kind of zone it's in now where people are getting BAFTAs for it. This guy has. <laughs> it took him three times to get nominated before they finally like, ah, we'll give you one. Troy and I both have been nominated three times, and they finally just said, well, we'll give Nolan one. We'll just I'll give it to him. But you also, um, you got a special recognition award last year from BAFTA, didn't you? It was a huge honor. It was very, very special, honestly. I mean, I, I don't really covet awards, but I will, you know, full disclosure, the a BAFTA just means something to me because I grew up as such an Anglophile. My dad literally raised me on BBC television. It was, it, he loved Faulty Towers. And so that award is just, and I think there's something that goes along with acting that it almost feels like it was born here. You know, the the, the theater and Shakespeare and all these things just across the Thames. And, and it just seems like uh, that, yeah, it's very, very special. And I, I look forward to the day when my friend here receives his. My, my special award where they give up on you and you're like, look, it's a BAFTA punch card. You're like, hey, if you don't get three, <laughs> we'll give you one. Like Jeff Keeley's a buddy of mine. His show is fun to go to. The BAFTAs is the one that I'm like, I want to put on that tux. I want to be in there. Dara Breen is, is a hilarious host. You can tell he's a, he's a gamer. I've been to some game shows where the hosts have been um, disingenuous in their in their nerdery, uh, you could say. I'm not going to mention any names, but some people have been like, they're clearly not a gamer. And I think a lot of the award shows in the States have become so commercial. And the thing about the Baptist here, whether, it, whether it's BAFTA for film and television or theater, or gaming, or but it's it's the same. Uh, they give it a, a, a great amount of respect, and I think that's that's uh, a testament to to uh, just the culture here. And then I think it's I think it's classier. It might not be as you know as big as the the game awards in LA, or as big as you know they want. Like the, the, the vision for for games, I feel like there's always this tendency to define games by numbers, right? So it's like, oh, it's big, it makes so much money, it's so flashy, and so there's this weird desire to just make this really big, really commercial, really money making show to show everything off. And then you have the Baftas don't have that baggage; they're just like, here we are. No, but it, that's also the industry where we're at. Like right now, with with the show that we're doing, we're going back and we're playing retro games. Number one, because it's a great foundational start. Like we look. Uh, there's a lot of games that I, I didn't get to play because I didn't have the money to buy. I, I could either go over to my friend's house because they had the console or um, I could rent this one game for the weekend, but that's all that I had. There's games that I missed that are like classics growing up and there's games that he's never played. So we get to go back and it's like, you need to, in order to understand where games are, you need to understand where games have come from. So everyone will know you from all the very famous video games you've been in, but you're also both dads, right? I have a 19-year-old boy and a son who's turning 16 this coming Monday. Good Lord. That's basically adults. They are adults, uh, sometimes more adult than I am. And it's going to be interesting, this this discussion to be interesting, because you're just starting fatherhood. Yeah. And I'm, you know, it, it's a lifetime job, but typically at the end of... You know, we're no longer... His watch is ending. <laughs> yeah, yes, my watch is ending. I'm off the wall. The one thing I remember, uh, you know, I, I was never... I, was, I haven't been an avid gamer since I was younger, and I remember starting to work in this industry, and it was so much more rewarding to bring home a game and that my kids would play. And uh, whether I was in it or not, you know, they, they always found it cool that, wow, you, you know, we get the free download, Dad, because you get that free. So if I got a game for free, 
which, uh, you know, a lot of people do in our industry, whether it's a journalist or an actor. Or it's still cool, though. Cool. I feel like you get used to it, and then it's yeah, not cool, but it is. When I, when I started working enough where I could get an extra download code for one of his friends, uh, you know, he was the, he was the, he was the king. So I, I've, my journey through gaming with my kids has really been through their eyes. Um, I remember my son coming home because he had an Uncharted 2 or 3 t-shirt on in middle school. And he might have been in 6th grade and all the 8th the graders, or 5th grade, 6th grade, they, and the 8th graders, the, you know, who were the old, the, the upperclassmen at that school, were like, where'd you get that? And well, my dad's Nathan Drake. And they're like, <laughs> what do you mean? And then they Google it and then... I was going to say, that's like the kind of thing you'd hear in the playground to be like, nah. Yeah, and then they'd Google it and then all of a sudden he's invited to have lunch with the older kids, uh, you know, yeah. hang out. So there were perks. They definitely had perks. Um, the downside of it is is them playing a game that I'm in and constantly dying. Uh, I think Uncharted 3, where every time you, Nathan Drake dies and that... Uh, I heard that in my house so often that I went out and bought them headphones. headphones. Got to get those noise cancelers. That's, that's where anybody who's got any ch children of any age needs noise cancelling headphones, whether it's to drown out inane YouTube that your 11-year-old was watching or your you know, two-year-old's constant crying the over great thing, the, great the bus being the wrong colour or whatever it is today. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the great thing for me and, and what Troy and I have, have, have come up with and created with Retro Replay is my kids are old enough now where... I kind of can go play again for the first time. I feel like I've taken this hiatus. Did you feel like you just missed like a, an era because you weren't able to? Because the yes. thing is, with the games, the, the way that games industry works, everything's new all the time. There's always something big and something important. <coughs> and you know, I certainly before I had kids, I was playing, trying to, and also because of the job, obviously, I was trying to keep up with everything. And now I've accepted that I'm going to miss quite a lot of stuff. And there's going to be like this whole era of games. That there's going to be loads to rediscover later. But you just can't, you can't play everything, can you? When you've got small children. Like right now, I look at it and go. Books are his main thing, and he will go and he will pick out the book that he wants you to read, and typically it's sitting in my lap uh, or in my wife's lap and going through that book sometimes multiple times because it's his favorite thing. And then it's, you know, he goes down, sometimes right away, sometimes not, and then Pam and I get 30, 45 minutes, you know, in, in which we get to eat and maybe watch something on TV or just, just kind of like dig into each other for a little bit and then it's like man I, I gotta go to bed like I'm, I'm I'm tired and I watch as as my my PS4 or you know in, in, in two rooms by the way I've got one in my, in my like small studio and I moved my when Red Dead Redemption came out I, I sat down sat down with my wife and I was like I have been waiting eight years for this game to be here and she was like, I totally understand. I was like, when this thing comes out, I'm just going to need to spend some time in this. And so what I ended up doing was, was, was getting a PS4 just for the living room so that I'm not sequestered away. I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of everybody else. And, you know, we have a, her office is kind of off the living room. And so I can, I can see her through the doors and, and travelers in there and he can come in. And so, but even with that, it's just the bandwidth it's, it's not the desire, or it's not even the freedom, it's just 
I could if I wanted to, but your want to's change. Exactly, don't they? And that's okay. It's not just the amount of time, it's the amount of like emotional, mental, and like intellectual bandwidth that you have for stuff. Like I find I, now I can either be reading a novel or playing a game. If I'm trying to do both at the same time, I forget what's going on <laughs> in one or the other of them. Narrative is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. So I, have, I find myself very single focused all of a sudden. Uh, my, my son's two and a half, and very interestingly, he hates video games at the moment because they're the thing that Mama is doing when she's not paying attention to him. Interesting. So he, I'm trying to kind of keep him away from games until he's a little bit older. We play some stuff on the iPad, but it is funny because right now he's got an. Oh, I should point out, I also have a teen stepson in the house. Yeah. Okay. Both, both ends of the parenting crucible. He, he stays with us um, half the weekends, so we see a lot of him. And so for my little son, games are the thing that his big brother is doing instead of playing with him. Or they're the thing that mama is doing when she's working. Like, they're not to him yet. They're just this thing that adults are doing that he hates because it's not paying attention to him. So I'm wondering, obviously over time... The context of that could yeah. really be informing. But you know, I have friends who work in games whose kids are not interested in them at all. Like their dad's thing or their mum's thing and they don't care. Um, and I have friends who work in games who are worried about the amount that their kids love video games. You know, like, you know, I think that's a common parental worry, isn't it? Like if you have a kid who's really into Yeah, but you know what I think is it's important is it's it's a parental worry and it's a parental responsibility. Right. People ask me all the time, my kid plays too many video games and I want to look at them and go, that's your job. That's on you, homie. Yeah, it's like you're. It's like listen, a dog will eat chocolate till it's dead. Right. You have to take away the chocolate. Um, uh, my kids, we we worked uh, worked out. It's just and it's not the dog's fault, by the way. No, exactly, because the dog doesn't have the mental capacity to control their. Neither does a child. If you give that child that and say do it as much as you want, and too many parents, I believe. Um, they walk away from their responsibility. They think if they use it as a babysitter, a crutch, and they they let their their kid go off, and then they they blame later when it's violent and he smacks somebody upside the head in school. Well, it's not the game's fault. It's it's it's, it's your fault. For- you lacking to recognize the fact that there is a violent tendency and giving him the tools and the ability to act on that. Right. Right, exacerbates that. There's things like as well, like the the idea that if, if your kid is spending really a lot of time playing video games, it might. I, I think a lot of uh, parent, parents who know games well would see that that might be a sign that there's something going on with your kid. You know, there's something they might be trying to get away from if they really if they really are very very drawn. Because I know that I've seen that tendency in myself and my friends and in other people's older children. Like if you're just having a really bad time, video games are a great way to check out. You know, when I was a teen, I definitely spent a good couple of years. We all did. But that's as a teenager. One of the main problems, especially that we have in the States, most parents run from, I mean, as opposed to the constantly have to be entertained. It's like, I need Traveler to be bored at some times. That's where imagination comes in. Yes! We sit out in our front yard with no toys, no anything going, figure it out, bro. Play with that blade of grass. And he's never bored he's always like all right so i'm now i'm checking out this and he's a, he's an inherently inquisitive mind we've, we've seen that from from day one before yeah but you know what i'm going to jump in on that not to stroke your ego but that's great parenting thank you that's just recognizing that he's and i'm going to challenge you it's not inherently inquisitive necessarily it's that you foster that curiosity yes um Act- george carlin who a phenomenal comedian, I think one of the modern day philosophers. Yeah. He once talked about, he said, kids, parents have 
play dates and schedules and gymnastics at this time and 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 playtime at this time. Then we're going to do this, and then this we're going to eat it. And it's like, when did you last send your kid out to the backyard with a stick, with a stick. and just <laughs> dig in the dirt? And people don't want the kid in the dirt because now there's germs and whatever. And that's how they. And it's just this ridiculous notion. And it's like the the one thing I think that's that's great. Um, and I think all parents can, and I think I could have been better looking back. Play with your kids. And if they want to do, if they want to uh, do some gaming, whether you stink, oh, I, I, God bless my father-in-law, who when the Wii came out, he would get up there and play with my kids and he would play Wii tennis. He had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> oh, and, we, Nintendo and we would all get in there and do something with like that. And he got in there and, but th what's interesting, if you, if, if, even if you're not a gamer, parent, take that time to game with your kid. Don't force him to go out and shoot a basketball or, 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 or play football. Get on there and game with him so when it's time to say, hey, buddy, we got to turn this off now. Why? It's like, well, because, you know, it's our eyes. we got to sit there. And, it's, and so if, if you can stop, your child will learn that he can stop too. And it doesn't become this, this habit that... I believe, in my opinion, poor parenting. Uh, objectively, that's poor parenting. <laughs> I'm sorry, not your opinion. Objectively, that's yes. poor parenting. <laughs> well, it's just it's just the fact that you're not showing that child the same respect you would show yourself where you go, I got to turn this off. And like you say, uh, kids don't have the innate ability to self-moderate. It's something you have to learn how to do. And it's really hard. You know, look at a toddler. A toddler can't self-moderate on anything. A toddler can't self-moderate on ice cream, can't self-moderate on TV. You know, you have to be the person who comes in and says, here's here's why. And here's, here's here. as a toddler, you don't need to tell them why. But certainly with an eight-year-old who wants to play Minecraft for 10 hours a day, you have to tell them why we do different things as well. But learn by, learn example. by example. You show the, the child that I enjoy this too. But at some point, we have to stop. And my dream with my kids is that it's going to be family time. Gaming is going to be time that we have together until they're a bit older. When we become parents, we innately um, will gravitate towards, I will gravitate towards the parenting that I was given. The, the, That's how we all work. Yeah. It's like, here's what my mom and my dad Or you go too far in the other way. And you go... Depending on how much you respect your parents' parenting. But I think even still, even if you're like, I hated how I was raised, you still just lean towards that way. And I've seen myself do that. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to do this. And something that I was told constantly growing up was because I said so. Because I'm your father. And that... But that assumption of authority at the same time of the abdication of the authority and the position that, that my father did so many times is sending so many mixed signals for me that I forget about the discourse that can exist between you and your kid. The, the best thing that my son has taught me is, number one, I'm, I'm, no, longer, um, I'm no longer the son but I'm now the father, and I get to mold what that father looks like. You don't get to mold what your kids do, but you do get to mold how you respond to them, right? You get to mold what you are Pam to them. Him and I have said this, we are going to lead by following, and he is leading us in a path, and we're gonna parent him. I'm not gonna friend him. I'm, I'm, I'm his father, that's my responsibility, and that's enough. I don't need to be his buddy. I love him, I love hanging out with him, and Cooper, is a, his son and is what's a really great hang. You'll always be his father. I love what he just said. You'll always be his father. But there is a time where, as my kids are getting to that age, where they'll always have their father. And I, we've established that. I'm always your dad. I'm always there for you for that, for anything you need. 
But the cool thing is, I and, and, and Troy's a witness to this, my kids have become really great friends and hangs. My, 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 old, my oldest son is 19, and he's gone on a number of uh, convention trips with us to Australia. And, uh, he's, been, he's been to a number of places, and he's, uh, he's an actor himself now, and he's been working, he's been doing stuff. But it's it, it's yeah, and it's so amazing for my friends, for me to see, for my my friends enjoy him whether I'm there or not. And it's no longer it's like it's Nolan's son. It's like no, that's Cooper North, and he's his own man, and he's doing his own thing. And it's this amazing transition that you start, sort of start start to see. And the other thing I, I love is like that you just said, and I think this is really good for any of your listeners is. Be open to letting your kid teach you something. Yes. Be open to letting your kid go, what are you playing these damn games? Maybe he goes, it's a lot of fun. Instead of getting onto him, go, is homework done? Yes. Yeah. All right, well, show me show what this me. game is. <laughs> I'm having to do that now. Like, the games that my teen stepson plays are <laughs> totally baffling to me. They make me feel 3,000 years old. He likes a lot of... Uh, we're like playing Dark Souls and shit like that, then you don't need to... That, that's like that's a whole other conversation. I mean, I wrote the book on Dark Souls. No, and like, no, he's away. And of course, because because I because I wrote the book on Dark Souls, Dark Souls is untouchable and uncool. And anything that I am involved with or that I play, completely Great. uncool. So he plays um, he plays a lot of like modded Gary's Mod stuff on Steam, Counter-Strike, and a lot of Fortnite. Now, Fortnite... Well, of course he plays Fortnite. Honestly, it makes, me feel, it makes me feel so ancient. But oh. you're asking questions. The thing is, is like, you understand games. You're... You're well versed in it. I, I would speak to the people who may not be into games. They don't mind their kid playing. It's like get involved and take it from me because it's a bit of a regret of mine. And now through retro replay, I started playing these old games I remember as a kid. And now we started playing Uncharted. And I'm going, wow, this is a really good game. I guess I understand. I guess I understand why this did so well. Your comments and it was said in earnest. You're like, this is a really good game. People should buy this. <laughs> and I was like. Many people did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Millions of people have played this game, and it's it's it just was one of these things where I, you know, I, I you know learned from a bit of my mistake because I wish I could go back and go, yeah, let's play that game I'm in, and I I was so glad he enjoyed it and I talked to him about it, but you know, like you said, life gets in that you're just so busy and you're making these games and then you're you're going off and you're traveling and. Uh, if I if I could get one thing back, uh, it would be to be more engaged with that side of their interests. Um, I've always supported their. Uh, I I understood athletics because I played sports as a kid. I grew up. I went to college for it. So when my when my older son was playing soccer in high school, I would follow that. And then my younger son with uh, soccer and then and, and football, American football. I get that. And now. It's never too late, though. But now I'm like, wow, gaming is really cool. I want to go build a character for Destiny now because I know he plays that. Again, the Fortnite thing, though, I'll be with you. I don't quite get that. I don't get it. The thing is, I'm happy he does. I've played it with him a few times, and the main problem is I just, I just suck, you guys. I'm just no good at it. Like I don't because he, because because he he grew up playing Minecraft, so he has the kind of building like it's like a schema in his brain, right? If you hand me any 3D platformer from the 1990s, I can immediately play it brilliantly because it's just so ingrained in the way that I think about games. It's the language that I learned. Okay, so 2D platformer would be me. Like I'm side scroller. I got you. So for him, he grew up with Minecraft. So the 
fat, the building stuff. Like when I when I'm playing Fortnite, I'm like, oh, I have to build. My brain goes, ah, oh, uh, we, and then I'm dead. Whereas he's already built a fort in that nanosecond that it took me to try and remember the button. Yeah, they're building forts. They're running up up the top. They're jumping. They're doing this. They. They're scoping out and sniping people, and you're like. I think I feel the, he's really, really good at Fortnite and cheers in general. I think I feel the same way about that as I would if he were really good at rugby. Like completely baffled, but just proud anyway. You know, it's like. Look at the effort you're exerting. Good for you. So retro replay. Um, it seems to me like. Are we plugging now? Are we, is that what we're doing? <laughs> I really, I really enjoy the show. I think. Me too. And, we uh, do have we have a blast. There are just more and more people who are you know above 30 who remember games from a while back now, and I remember reading retro stuff when I was. A teenager and thinking god these games all look shit and uh, I made the mistake of showing some of my treasured my treasured childhood games to my stepson at one point he was like these all look total garbage I was like oh well I guess that's just that's just a fact it's always gonna be garbage ghosts and goblins see if he can get through that it's brutal. Thank you for Troy, especially. This is at least like a few hours a week where you can actually play a video game. This is my, when I actually can sit down and, and like twice a month, because we typically will film like twice a month and we'll go in and, and do as many episodes as we can. It gives me the opportunity to go, here's a game that I loved playing, or here's a game that I never got to play. And to sit down with my best friend and go, all right, I want to see how you do this. And maybe he gets further. And he knows I'm going to be terrible. Not necessarily, because there's some... Like, we played Goldeneye, and homie schooled me. Like, I got... We did Slappers Only, and I got him. But then we turned into rocket launchers, and it was all over. I was like... You're not an odd job player, are you? No, 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 he didn't do odd jobs. Sean Bean. I went Sean Bean. I wanted to prove... I wanted to prove Sean Bean didn't die at the end he of everything. He should have, like, by all logic, <laughs> he should have died, and he didn't. But the beauty is, is that we're now, not only are we able to go back and, and enjoy games of the past, but hopefully these are things that we can bring our kids into, regardless of their age, and go, regardless of the game, regardless of the console, regardless of the generation, it's the fact, and that's what our podcast is, it's, it's not about the game, it can't be about the game. There's plenty of places for you to go to a Let's Play. This is about why we play and what happens when we do. And that's what I want to pass on to my son. That's what he wants to pass on to his son. It's the fact that we have that family time. It's the fact that we can sit back and go, for right now, the world can wait. For right now, that is not as important. And let's go save a princess. Or let's go beat a boss. Or let's fly into space. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting is uh, I I have made a concerted effort in my life to try to live more in the present, and I don't think you're ever more present these days than when you're playing a game. Because uh, here's the thing: people can go to our our retro replay channel, watch me play Uncharted. I've never played it, and so I'm playing it for the first time in front of the world or anybody who cares to go to our channel. I just still think and it's extraordinary you never played it. Just get to about the what is it, about the fourth episode where my face starts doing this contorted <laughs> how did you put it? No, 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 the best Travis Willingham said he looks like Anthony Hopkins in the back half of Legends of the Fall. <laughs> I, I, you know, I sleep, I, and I lean my head back and I, I look like the right side of my face has had the stroke and I'm like oh. and it's like and the funny thing is you don't people don't understand I see me running I remember these lines, and I'm like, I know it's coming. It's Sully. It's the, the Spanish. They never left, and I'm doing this stuff. 
And uh, like uh, uh, that brutal thing on the jet skis. That was awful. Were, I couldn't wait for him to get Exploding to barrels on a rushing river. That's just not right. It is. It is funny how your relationship with games kind of changes as as your well as your life changes. Because I think one of the because games tend to be very young. It's really only. I mean, we, there's been a recent wave of games like God of War and things like that who have kind of dealt a little bit with parental anxieties and especially parental guilt. I feel like Pikmin was one. Which one? Pikmin. I feel like Pikmin was about parental anxiety. Really? Guiding all the little plant people around and worrying about where the you know. I, I feel. I, I tried playing Pikmin the other week and saw it in a whole different light all of a sudden. I would have. I would have, I would have put it like 2013 was all about parental issues. I mean, Last of Us, obviously. And Bioshock both were like, hey, we're not necessarily the world's best dads. Um, but I think that you're absolutely right. I think that there's a, there's a layer of gaming that exists for the 13-year-old. And there's a layer of gaming that exists for those beyond who have experienced where gaming has come from that they can look back and go... This is why I still like. They're still making games that I want to play, and this is why this is why I play. Yeah, but you know what's interesting is, is especially at places like the convention we're at. One thing that I'm constantly reminded of is gaming is ageless. I have met people in the UK. A man in his 70s took the train down. He told me three hours to say hi to get this signed. This is for your grandson. He goes, no, it's for me. He said, I play with my grandson back in the States. I will play. I play through everything. I play Uncharted. I'll play. And then now he was on to other games. But he plays online, the multiplayer, with his grandson, he said, and I beat him. And I met, so you're talking about teenagers to 70-year-olds. And I think that's that's a testament to gamers in general that they're savvy. They they, they love that. And I, and I I just spit on this new myth of narrative games are dead it's like i've met people today going i I don't know what's going on with destiny right now but i there's no more story where is the story from destiny and i have no i have no i have nothing to tell them because i haven't been doing it in a while Um, uh, they've shifted direction this is year 15 for me as a games journalist like and when i so when i left i left home I, i basically left home i left school i I ran away from home to become a games journalist. My parents were obviously delighted That's that it was almost you know, like joining the circus, but sure. I was going to say, I think they would have preferred the circus, um, but here we are. Uh, but I, I, so I was 16 years old when I got my first like job on a games magazine. So my entire adult life, I've been, you know, growing up alongside games in, in a professional sense as well as like a personal sense. Like, you know, I've been thinking about them every day in a way that you wouldn't if you were just like a normal person with a normal job that didn't involve games. So for me, the, the change in the intensity of my relationship with games when I had my son was massive. When my son was born, I just I just I rediscovered games in a way I hadn't seen them in years because I just played Breath of the Wild for an entire year. That was all. I didn't think about anything else that was going on. I didn't have to worry about you know the newest Assassin's Creed or whatever else was out that year. On the Switch. Um, yeah, I literally I, I learned to breastfeed lying down so I could play more Zelda on the Switch when when I was on maternity leave. And uh, I really rediscovered that kind of what I got out with them in the first place because they've been work for me for so long. If we do Legend of Zelda, that's like that that's that's one of the first like this is a huge game Chrysalis was mine so I didn't know the difference between no, nobody had done like a review on, by the way you want to play Zelda that's the one that has the there, there's not going to be any sequels to Chrysalis but I played Chrysalis and when we first started doing this I went back and I loaded up my my little RetroPie emulator and was able to play that game that I started 
almost 30 years ago. And when I finally beat it and I got to that, I was like, the, the, the sense of accomplishment that I had was with no cheat codes, with no, nothing else but just time and determination. Sheer will. Sheer will. That sense of accomplishment. That's something that I want my son to know. And however he gets it, if, if it's through gaming, if it's through sports, whatever it's through, is like, I want you to understand what it feels like to not cheat your way through but to fight through it I feel like games are very good for that or can be some games aren't some some games are very like you know Fiji spoonfuls of sugar aren't you wonderful aren't you brilliant power fantasy all day other games do kind of really emphasize that you have to earn something and get there Um, and I think that 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 was something I loved in games when I was younger when when you I think when you have kids it makes you see all sorts of things differently obviously but for for me like that rediscovery of like now I'm going to be seeing games through his eyes again and it's going to give me that same kind of like return to what I liked about them before they became a job. Look, life is going to give you boss battles. You need to know what it feels like to go up against a boss that you don't feel equipped for. You need to learn how to scavenge through life and be able to find the power-ups. You need to be able to go through life understanding that this is your one go-through. Most importantly, you need to know what it's like to fail. You need to know what it's like to fail and try and try again until you conquer that. I mean, to this day, I may have a stupid download thing that my son made me put on my phone, and my wife will turn over at 3.30 in the morning going, are you still playing that? I'm like, I'm not going to sleep until I beat this. And by God, I will beat it. But you know what? I, I, I've learned more in my life from failures than, than any success I've ever had. And I think uh, that's another great thing that gaming can, can bring to, uh, to a parent or a child. It's just... Um, know that it's okay to fail and it's even better to get back up dust yourself off try again that's it for the first episode of Spawn Point thank you to Troy and Nolan for being the very first guests on the show and thank you very much for listening please let me know what you think you can get in touch via email on hellospawnpoint at gmail.com I'm on Twitter at Keza McDonald, and if you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. There'll be more Spawn Point very soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. If you've ever dreamed of quitting your job to take your side hustle full-time, listen up. This is Nikayla Matthews-Akome, host of Side Hustle Pro, a podcast that helps you build and grow from passion project to profitable business. Every week, you'll hear from guests just like you who wanted to start a business on the side. If you can't run a side hustle, you can't run a business. They share real tips. And so I started connecting with all these people on LinkedIn, and I saw Target Supplier Diversity was having office hours. Real advice. Procrastination is the easiest form of resistance and the actual strategies they use to turn their side hustle into their main hustle getting back in touch with your tangible cash and sitting down and learning to give your money a job like it changes something check out side hustle pro every week on your favorite podcast app and youtube acast helps creators launch grow and monetize their podcasts everywhere acast.com <laughs>